0: Today, we are going to do something very, very different that I don't typically do as a rule. We are going to be talking about another podcast. Specifically, this is David Morell at Protestia. Now, they can call it what they will. He looks like he's a news reporter. They've got the little scrolling marquee at the bottom of the screen. All that kind of stuff. Okay, but... To my mind, it's still just a podcast. Maybe it's evolved into something else. Maybe it needs to be classified as something else. But what I want to do for you is I want to share with you some clips from a video that was released the night that the Service Christy video dropped, five hours, seven minutes, I think it was, on the situation in Sydney, Montana, with Jordan Hall, with J.D. Hall, as he's also known. The five hours and seven minutes is ridiculously long, I will admit. But it's amazing to me that the same day that that drops, that night, uh, David Morrell takes to Protestia. Protestia tonight, answering our accusers. That's the name of this episode or this upload that they've got on YouTube and let's just go ahead and we're, we're going to jump right in because he says some very, very interesting things. And I'd like to respond to a number of the things that he's saying. So here we go.
1: So there's a certain gifting or or ability level, and then also just the needs of the ministry. So when we need writers, we need workers, we reach out. We try to find folks that are uh, doctrinally aligned with us, that understand what we're doing, that appreciate it. Uh, on a ministerial level, that want to get involved, it's really n- no more complicated than that. But here's why this matters. I think here's here's why the here's why the organization of this matters. We we're not all members of the same church. We don't live anywhere near each other. You know, I you know, staff members and 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 workers at Protestia live all over the country and even in different countries. We got Canadians working with us. on, you know, <laughs> and 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 they're a special bunch. We love them. Um, but in, and I think it presents a unique perspective for sure. But the, the the point is that when people said stuff like, well, you should have seen this coming. Well, you should have noticed that, that this was going to be an issue. No, no, we shouldn't have noticed that it was going to be an issue. That's not how it works. You know, um, there's no possible way for all of us to hold each other accountable. That's what the Bible instructs for the church. And this isn't the church. And there's nothing wrong with saying that parachurch ministries are not the body of Jesus Christ. They're not the local church, which is the ecclesiastical body and the authority that's prescribed in scripture. And so it's, it's not hard to say it's not the church. The Bible doesn't prescribe some sort of a way for people to hold each other morally uh, accountable, ministerially accountable over the internet any more than, than what we, what we find out in retrospect. Uh, But you know, when this all happened, when, when, when this happened at the church, uh, we took, and if you, again, if you go to that statement, dot uh, and, uh, really click, I, I think you have to go a couple pages deep or, um, you know, basically scroll down to about three weeks ago when I posted this, that's the position that we took. The position was, we're not the church. We're not Montanans. We weren't there. And so we're going to follow their lead because parachurch ministries exist to serve the church.
0: Okay, so I get you. I get (laughs) you. You're not the church. You're here to support the church. Gotcha. Gotcha. Get you good. The trouble is this claim of we had no way of knowing we're going to follow the lead of the folks in the church, the folks there in eastern Montana. At what point do you have a responsibility to reach out to the folks in Montana? Eastern Montana, or let's say maybe even just Google, for instance, what Eastern Montanans are saying. This is a point that I brought up in my response to John Harris and A.D. Robles, both. I am originally from Eastern Montana. I was born and raised in Glendive, Montana, moved away when I was 10, moved back in 2012, moved my family to Sydney to be closer to work in 2014, attended Jordan's church, JD Hall's church for a time with my family, helped out with Awana, had his family over for dinner. They had us over for dinner. We went out for Pizza Hut. We were Facebook friends. I wrote about the situation in Eastern Montana with regards to him and elders and deacons. And I... (laughs) My writing about elders and deacons having been run off from that church when they tried to provide accountability locally, that it was 2017 and 2020. So plenty of time, lots and lots of time for someone inquiring into what the story is in Eastern Montana and taking the lead from an Eastern Montanan with connections and roots in Eastern Montana. You didn't even have my, you, you, (laughs) you didn't even have to take my word for it. You could have. Reached out and said, "Hey, listen. Like, who, who are we talking about? You know, who were these former elders and deacons who were chased off, who were quote unquote church disciplined themselves right out when they tried to hold Jordan slash JD slash Gideon Knox accountable? You know, but no such effort was made. If anybody was gonna be contacted, having put something out there that has just been percolating on the internet." for five years, it should have been at least me, I would think if you didn't know any of the other people involved, but you didn't try to reach out. You didn't ask. You could have asked me for the names of other men who had been elders and deacons. You didn't. So I'm just not, <laughs> I, I'm not sure that I find this any more compelling than what John and AD were saying yesterday and the day before.
1: Um it became monumentally more difficult for myself and for the the rest of the team because the 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 person involved in this was the founder of the ministry and was basically the organizer and and um you know a lot of the other people were volunteers it was it was you know at least um unofficially even a ministry of his church because he was the lead guy and he's a pastor of a church and so that that made perfect sense um but then when this happened we did the best that we could do to a make sure that we were transparent about what was going on and 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 let people know what we knew that we could confirm again not rumors not things that might have happened um but also to 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 try to make sure that the value of what was going on here and the value of this ministry as a discernment and polemics source, a source that you can go to, to find out information, not only about, you know, uh, characters and false teachers and all sorts of things going on there, but, but also the, the theological basis for why we determine that those are false teachers and teaching falsehoods, that that remained, uh, moving forward, a, because we thought it was the right thing to do still do, but B that's what, that's what JD always told us to do. You know, he. He always told us to do that and his sin doesn't make that incorrect.
0: Okay. Now this is, I feel like inconsistent and I'm breaking these up, but they are in chronological order in terms of where they appeared in the video. It was an hour and 16 minutes long. I'm not going to just replay your entire video. So if somebody wants to go back and watch the whole thing in its entirety, I'll include a link. Somebody can go and watch the full video as long as you leave it up. But, I feel like your tune is changing here and you're contradicting yourself with respect. David, you're saying at the beginning that you're a parachurch organization and you're not affiliated with any specific church. And yet here you're saying that you were quote unquote unofficially a ministry of Fellowship Baptist Church because Jordan was the one who started Protestia and he was the pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church, and therefore Protestia was under the umbrella in some sense of Fellowship Baptist Church. So, you know, it's curious and, and we'll get more into this as we go along because you say some other things, which I have some questions about. I'm not making assumptions. I don't know this firsthand, but I'll ask the question and you'll probably just say, oh, you're gossiping, right? No, I'm not gossiping. But if you're trying to set everybody at ease because you're answering all these important questions. And you're trying to give a full disclosure. You shouldn't mind giving an answer to the questions that I've got as I reckon, as I reason, but just this claim here, this claim that, Hey, you know what? We didn't go spreading rumors that we couldn't verify. We couldn't substantiate. You know, you say you got eight or nine different versions of the story. And so you didn't know what to run with. And so you just run with the Xanax bit and say, Jordan has committed some grievous sin and he's disqualified himself and he agrees he's been disqualified and he stepped down. You're taking the word of the local elders and deacons for it and saying, "Okay, well we'll just we'll, we'll run with that and we won't say anything more about it." But then you're also saying here, let's be completely clear, you're saying that you decided to keep on doing what JD always told you to do. And so there's a little bit of a conflict of interest here. And I I can understand it. Now, if this were somebody that I've done blogging with or podcasting with, somebody that I've worked closely with at a 501c3 or a church, I would also feel conflicted. I I know that. So I'm not trying to beat up on you or anything, but let's do be honest. There is a conflict of interest when you say you resolve to do what Jordan always had told you to do, what he would have had you do. And let's do be honest, you going with less of the story of how it is that he came to be defrocked and removed from the pulpit and put under church discipline, you running with the bare minimum and not the totality. And there now being very sound reasons. You, If you claim, as you do later on in this video, that you saw my conversation back and forth that was highlighted by Service Christy in his five-hour, seven-minute video. If you saw my conversation between myself and Kyle Small, you see him attesting to there being more to the story. So you know that there's more to the story, but if other people had reached out to you and told you, hey, here's the rest of the story, here's more of what has happened here, And then you ran with the bare minimum of Xanax because that is the least damaging to your discernment ministry. That is the least damaging to Protestia and your reputation personally. Well, then I'm sorry, but that's just, it feels a little bit self-incriminating, despite what you might protest. Yeah.
1: You know, ten hours ago we post, post Pope Francis says Biden's love for abortion is between him and his conscience. That's verifiable. That's not something we had to dig up. And why are we criticizing Pope Francis because he's a false teacher? The fact that he may not be struggling with some sort of immorality or or sin in the same way that that uh, that, that Jordan was doesn't make Pope Francis correct and Jordan Hall wrong. That's something that very, very important to understand. But you won't find this being understood by theological opposition to this to, to this website and to this ministry. They will play the guilt by association. They will say Jordan Jordan Hall had a sin problem. He fell into sin. He did things that were that were really bad. Uh, some some demonstrable and some I would argue uh, still in allegations. They may it, it, they may be true. They may not. We don't know. We're not going to say, we're not, we're not there, we're not the police, we're not investigators. We don't make a claim about that. But they will sit there and say, because he had this sin problem, because he fell in this way, therefore everything he taught was wrong. Therefore everybody who ever had him on their website is in sin because they should have seen it coming. That's not the way that it works, ladies and gentlemen, when we are focused on the truth of God's word and not just um, tri- being tribal. All
0: right, speaking of tribalism. <laughs> which you're one to talk. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Forgive me. I mean, no disrespect, but you are being a hypocrite and <laughs> you should repent of that. Consider here, Matthew seven fifteen through 20, because I watched your whole video, David, and you returned to this again, more explicitly later. So we'll touch back to this passage. I'll just reference it again later, but I'll read it now. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Now, you seem to believe, David, that the fruits being described here are doctrine. The fruit is the doctrine. No, no, the works actually are the fruit. The works, the behavior, the way of relating, the way of treating people the way of relating to God and one another, the way of composing oneself. The mode of life is the fruit. The doctrine is what makes you a good tree or a bad tree, but you know what your doctrine actually is by your fruit. It's one thing for somebody to say, Lord, Lord, and that's actually the very next set of verses, the very next paragraph in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Jesus says, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You workers, workers of lawlessness. And you think that because you take to this discernment ministry blogging, that is the work. No, the work is how you treat your wife and your children and the people in your church and the people in your community. The work is how you treat people, actually. And I, no, we're not talking about works righteousness. Jesus is certainly not talking about works righteousness, but he is saying it is, it is insufficient to say, Lord, Lord, and then expect that some Jesus, Jesus talk covers over a multitude of sins. No, Jesus says, I never knew you. So that's really, really important that you note that well, that you mark that. You can say what you will about Jordan, but here we've got beware of false prophets followed by they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. How do you know they're inwardly ravenous wolves? Because they're predatory. That's how. Because they tear people to pieces. That's how. That's the fruit that the ravenous wolf in sheep's clothing bears is that they tear the sheep to pieces if you couldn't see that if you <laughs> if, if you couldn't see that then you do not have discernment you are in the wrong ministry maybe find a better ministry more in keeping with your spiritual gifts because you clearly do not have the spiritual gift of discernment sir with respect you're in the wrong line Someone mistold you. You were misinformed that you have this spiritual gift. And quite frankly, I think you were misinformed because you were zealous, you were eager, and you were useful. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's time to wake up. It's time to face the facts. You were taken in by a wolf in sheep's clothing who bore very bad fruit. Now, another passage that's relevant here, and again, this will be just like the Matthew 7 piece. I'm going to read it for you now. And I will refer back to it, or I will allude back to it, and of course, you can find it in your scriptures. It's in your Bible, just like it's in my Bible. You can go to Bible.com, BibleGateway.com. In the ESV, First Corinthians 6, 1 through 8, when one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? wrong and defraud even your own brothers. So here's what we've got going on. We have the public claim made of a Xanax addiction. Okay. You're not taking him to court over that. Fine. You defrock him. You take away his pastorate. Okay. Good call. You remove him at protestia, although you here continue arguing and others in the comment section that he may not nah, he may not be disqualified forever. Let's just not rush to conclusion. So you're already opening the door to him coming back, you hope. You really hope. And not just coming back into the fold and coming back into health and coming back into a right relationship with his family. You want him to come back as big and bad as ever at Protestia and maybe even pastoring a church somewhere. But then according to you, unbeknownst to you, even though you were unofficially, as you say, a ministry of Fellowship Baptist Church, you weren't even in the know. So you're going to be vocal on a national level. They will put that on the website. A little later on, you say that they contacted you to get something removed from the website. And you don't say what, but there is my question, by the way. What was it that they asked you to remove, David? Was it References to Protestia being a ministry of Fellowship Baptist Church. Is that what it was? But here's the thing. You're claiming that you just found out about allegations of domestic violence with his family and possibly embezzlement of $10,000. Now, I'm not saying that those allegations are true, but I am saying that there are police reports which are now out there in the public eye, which I have no reason to doubt are valid. So the accusations have been made. Those are very, very serious accusations. What would be the rationale for them having been concocted at this juncture at the same time that the Xanax addiction comes to the fore and we find out about that? What's the rationale for those things just happening to coincide with one another? Riddle me that.
1: If if we are serious about about god's word being true and every man a liar we associate with people because they're preaching the truth not because they're not sinners and so these accusers coming out and saying uh you guys should have known or uh you know john harris should have known Ad Robles should have known uh phil johnson should have known justin peter should have known all this kind of stuff that's that, those are accusations being flung around to avoid the fact that the people accusing us at this point are teaching falsehoods. They don't want to talk about the doctrine. They don't want to talk about the scripture. They don't want to talk about the issues at hand. They want to play guilt by association. Hey, Jordan Hall was a mean guy, so therefore all of you are wrong about your doctrine. That's, what, that's, that's the connection they're trying to get people to make. And undiscerning people, um, uh, people who are not focused on the truth behind this, might fall for that. They might fall for that nonsense. They might say, don't listen to David Morrill because he's friends with Jordan Hall. He worked with Jordan Hall. He wrote for Protestia. And Jordan Hall fell into sin. Therefore, uh, David Morrill is is in sin. You know, we had that clown shoe, absolute clown shoe, anti-church clown, Josh Chavez, people going to him with this information. Why? Because they don't know who he is. They don't know his history. They don't know the disqualifying and and objectively offensive things that that man has done to people. They don't know the fact that Josh Chavez imported a bride from South Africa, married her in a religious ceremony, um, consummated the marriage, decided he didn't want to do it anymore, and sent her back to South Africa. They don't know that.
0: (laughs) Oh... David, 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 from urbandictionary.com. I had to look up clown shoe because I had never heard that term before. I, I, you know, I know what a clown is and I certainly know what shoes are, but uh, according to urbandictionary.com, the most thumbed up definition for clown shoes is an insult inferring that the receiver is a walking joke, including their actions, habits, appearance, and ultimately their existence some quotes here that are always somewhat amusing, I guess. You have no room to talk, clown shoes. I ran into this guy who was the biggest pair of clown shoes I've ever seen. Yada yada, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, meanie pants. (laughs) By the way, I can think of other things I would call you. Meanie pants is not what I would call you. I would call you I'm sorry. Uh here is short for David Morrill. Um I'm <laughs> So my apologies. He can say clown shoes, I can say what I said, I think. But that isn't to say he should have said clown shoes. It isn't to say I should have said what I just said. But he is though. I mean to be fair. He he is. Um so here's the thing, David. Here's the thing. You say, on the one hand, that Jordan Hall's private behavior is none of our damn business, and to talk about it is gossip. How then can you justify <laughs> this? A bit about Joshua Chavez, who I only just recently met. I don't know him very well. I wasn't familiar with his body of work prior to our making some contact here recently in hopes that he would cover this story on Jordan. How is it any of your damn business whether some gal traveled to the U.S. from South Africa to marry him and it didn't work out? Supposing that's true. I don't know that that's true. You can play the allegations or not necessarily proof of wrongdoing game. And I agree that we need to let due process proceed apace. But my point here is not that everything he has done in his life is correct. I don't know what the situation is with this gal from South Africa. I'm sure there's a story there. It sounds like an interesting story, actually. It sounds like a very interesting story. But What bothers me far more than the story is the hypocrisy, the abject hypocrisy of you saying Jordan Hall's alleged domestic dispute with his wife and his children is off limits and we shouldn't go there, his potentially embezzling $10,000 from the church is his private business and we shouldn't go there, but you can throw out an accusation that joshua chavez imported a bride from south africa married her privately consummated the marriage and then put her away and that's fair game somehow that's relevant somehow to what he's putting out here this week in the video my apologies if you hear children in the background uh we have lots of children we actually have 11 children Uh, no, that's not correct. No, two of my sons are in Montana for the Mullet family reunion. Sorry. So we only have nine children in the house, only nine in the house this evening. We're watching three so our neighbors can go out on a date, but I digress. My office door is shut, by the way. I do not talk that way around the children, by the way, also. And I shouldn't have talked that way on this podcast. And no, David Muriel, you didn't make me do it but you did provoke me. I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. It was wrong for me to call David and it was wrong for him to call Joshua Chavez clown shoes or clown shoe. He's just one clown shoe, I guess. Not, not both. I guess I make a pair with Joshua Chavez. So be it. This is abject hypocrisy. It just is. That that's the problem. You can deny it all day if you want to, but you are a hypocrite. And you're not as good at it as Jordan was, actually. I'm sorry, but you're just not as good at it. It doesn't work. You can't go after somebody like Joshua Chavez for his private business. Because here's the thing, right? There's nothing scandalous about some young woman coming here to the U.S., if indeed that is what happened. There is nothing scandalous about a South African woman coming to the U.S., to marry an American. Actually, one of my cousins who is a minister down south who listens to this podcast and also used to listen to J.D. Halls. I chided him for that, but I'm not his judge. I just warned him. But he married a woman from South Africa. She's a a lovely woman. They have some beautiful children and she's a sweetheart and God bless them. So there is nothing whatsoever scandalous about a woman from South Africa coming to the U.S. to marry an American. No less if he is engaged in whatever you call what we do, discernment ministry online, if you will. If that's the vernacular, I guess that's what we'll say. Now, what if, hypothetically, they had a long-distance relationship and she wasn't who she appeared to be from a distance? That's a possibility. You don't know. But you've got way less to go on here, as I see it, with regards to Joshua Chavez, than you do with JD Hall. And the partiality, boy howdy, it stinks to high heavens. The uneven, unequal weights and measures stinks to high heavens. Careful, friend. God says in Proverbs, unequal weights and measures are on the short list of what he detests.
1: Spare me this nonsense about so and so should have known because they 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 uh, associated with him at one point. You know, people have their own lives and their own sins that they have to bear responsibility for. The rest of us cannot possibly bear responsibility for the sins of sins of others. We can only bear responsibility for what we know when we know it. And timeline-wise, the statement we put up was on June 25th. I didn't learn anything had happened until June 22nd might've been June 21st. I have to go back and look at, at at phone call records and things. I didn't know anything had happened. And it was brought to me because uh, people at the church were saying, can you change something on the FBC Sydney.org website? I had, I had put some graphics up and, and done a little bit of work on that website. So I had access. And so, so I'm contacted about making a change on the website. I say, okay, you know, I, and I'm wondering why, why are you making a change here? Because at that point, everybody had accepted the idea that uh that that uh jordan's dui was due to vitamin vitamin d deficiency i know for a fact that that was a diagnosis from his doctor i don't know at this point how much it was related or not obviously i have my suspicions but with this being with you know this being uh what we were told myself and other reputable, uh, other, other reputable ministers who were concerned about the truth and concerned about the church, knowing that he had these issues said, okay, we, we have no reason to disbelieve this at this point. I live in Colorado. I live in Colorado and I'm, and I'm basically a volunteer, uh, at this point for the ministry. I have no reason to not, to, to not take him at his word. And so I say, okay, fine. Um, uh, 3 months off that's what his church prescribed they said hey this is the issue we want you to take 3 months off you know where you where you're you're going to rest and recover change your phone number the the whole the whole thing th- this is what they had prescribed and so again we follow that we said okay we're not going to go try to talk to him and 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 bug him about things if he reaches out great but we're going to keep the train rolling here we're going to keep the ministry going that's what he would do
0: okay yeah WWJDD, I guess. What would JD do? Uh, You know, a, a question here, David. How is it that I also live in Colorado, and yet I have access to this information before you do? And the answer to that question intuitively is going to be because people trust me in the Sydney, Montana area. Have you asked yourself why it is that the people in Sydney, Montana, don't necessarily trust you? That might be an important question to consider, sir. The people in Sydney, Montana who reach out to me, who touch base with me, who say, hey, here's the latest. The people in Sydney, Montana, boots on the ground, Christians, reformed Christians, reach out to me and say, here's the latest. I can only presume that that is because they trust me. And yet, I live an hour from you. You live in Arvada. I live in Greeley. We should get together for coffee sometime. What do you say? Or a beer. Something tells me I would need a beer if we got together. Maybe something stiffer. (laughs) Maybe a Voodoo Ranger. Imperial IPA. But I also live in Colorado, David. And yet, somehow, I happen to know these things. Also, too, whatever you're... (laughs) Here's where what you're saying is just silly. It's just, you know, meanie pants. It's, It's just silly. Joshua Chavez, whatever you want to say about him, whatever you want to call him, however you might want to dismiss him, he lives even further away in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So, how does that work, that he lives farther away, and you're saying, Oh, I, I just, I can't know. How could I possibly know? I live all the way down here in Colorado. Yeah, it doesn't seem to stop you from knowing things about people even further away in the country, does it? Hmm, how about that? Isn't that curious? Am I the only one who sees that as being incongruous? I, I can't be. Again, this gets back to the business earlier about You being a discernment ministry, also you saying that being a parachurch organization, you're in the service of the local church. Also, you being unofficially, as you said, I think not anymore, but until recently you were unofficially on FBC's website as a ministry of Fellowship Baptist Church. How is it that you are not just a parachurch organization serving the church writ large across the U.S.? You are specifically a parachurch ministry, which was formerly affiliated with FBC, and yet you're so hands-off, and yet they don't come to you asking for godly counsel. You know, it's a curious thing. These men who reach out to me and talk with me, former elders and deacons at FBC, who I'm friends with, who I love dearly, I respect dearly, and I I would lose sleep. In fact, I did. I did this week. I lost sleep. You can go back and listen to my episode recorded at two in the morning earlier this week. I was losing sleep at the thought that anything I might have said or let go public or encouraged to be made public would potentially embarrass or upset or frustrate or stumble the good godly men that I know in Eastern Montana who were elders They stuck around as long as they did because of the doctrine. You want to say this is all a push from people who don't like your doctrine, who don't like reformed theology? I'm calling No. Tell yourself that if you want to. Tell your audience that if you want to. These are not friends of mine because we disagree about theology. Actually, funny story. I'll save it for later. But more on that whole bit about people disagreeing with your theology. And that's what's driving all of this. It is only true insofar as your theology is belied by your behavior, by your treatment of people, by the fruit that your tree is bearing. Don't just tell me what your doctrinal statement is. Show me how you treat people. Then I'll know what your theology
1: is. I had no idea something was going on until it was the 21st, or the 22nd of June. Now I know there's a problem. So, something has happened. Something has happened at this point. And, and what I learned by communication with the church is, hey, we, we we're not prepared to share all the details here. Um, like I said, I heard rumors about what happened or didn't happen from different sources. But the main thing that we knew was that the church had accepted his resignation, determined he was disqualified. He had agreed and said, I'm disqualified. I'm stepping down. I'm submitting to a process of discipline. This is what we were told. And so we likewise followed in their footsteps. And and still, I mean, I will, you know, go to my grave saying that's the right thing to do for a parachurch ministry. There was no way that we could be in, somehow involved in the discipline process. And and anybody who reads the scripture faithfully and understands this would agree with this point. The people who are going to get online and say uh, you guys should have known and you should have done this and all the other people he ever associated with and and ministered alongside was should have known and they should have da 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 da. That's nonsense. That doesn't even make sense, knowing how these ministries work and don't work. And it's a good thing. I mean, really, the 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 fact that uh, we are um, ministering together based off of confession and not based off of uh, trying to hold each other legally accountable is why protestia can still exist.
0: Ooh, interesting. That's an interesting claim. So it's convenient to not be accountable to each other. Is that what I'm hearing, David? It's convenient to not be accountable to each other? I'll bet. Yeah, plausible deniability. Gotta keep the ship afloat. Gotta keep the production online. The show must go on, right? So, I'll just briefly say this, because I don't want this whole episode to go way too long. Also, Mr. Morell has an attention span that doesn't put up with long content super well, but... (laughs) You're admitting here that FBC told you that they were not giving you all the details. So you're admitting here that there is more to the story and you knew from the get-go that there was more to the story. It's a very curious thing that when you've got police reports, when you've got people on the ground, when you've got people in Eastern Montana who are coming forward with allegations, with testimony, say, Hey, this is the character of his engagement with people in his church, people in his family, people in the community. It's a very curious thing when you've got that plus police reports and also by your own admission, FBC Sydney told you that they weren't giving you all the details. You would now say, oh, well, you know, all we really know is that there's Xanax involved. That's all we know is that there's a Xanax addiction. That's all we need to know, really. That's all we really need to know. And, you know, he could come back, right? He could come back. But hey guys, don't don't rush to conclusions. He may not be disqualified forever. He may be above reproach again. Justin Peters, Chris Rosebro, Phil Johnson beg to differ. They don't believe he should ever be a minister again. They don't believe he will ever be qualified again. They say flat out in their Fighting for the Faith video that he should retire. He should find some kind of a trade. Get clean from Xanax. Get your mind right. Get your health back. Restore your relationship with your family. Find a quiet life, minding your own business, working with your hands, maintaining a good reputation with outsiders. <clears throat> and I agree.
1: Uh, um, reveal that to your pastors and your congregation. Everybody's human, right? Only, everybody only has 24 hours in a day. There's no possible way that, that, that a pastor or pastors at your church can possibly be apprised of everything going on. That's what these kind of ministries are here for because there's a lot out there that's false, a lot out there that can trip people up. And to the extent that that can keep going, that's the goal. And we don't hold each other morally accountable on a day to day, moment by moment basis because it's impossible to do. All we do is react. When, when we know something has happened like this, we, we go back to scripture. We endeavor to, to be as faithful as we can with our response and that's what we've done.
0: So here's the problem I have with that, David. I have been blogging and podcasting very often collaboratively. I've been on the board of directors for a 501c3 in Christian ministry. I've been on the governing board of a church. You're right, technically, but you overstate things to make what would be reasonable here sound unreasonable you say, we're not keeping each other morally accountable on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis. Nobody is expecting that. Even if you were in the same church, nobody's expecting that. It's not reasonable. That's not what we're called to. And yet, when you work closely with others, when you collaborate closely with others in ministry, you ought to know about the personal lives. You ought to care about them as a person. I'll give you the example of my cousin Micah, with whom I collaborated in blogging for years and I still compare notes with him when it comes to the big issues of the day. Hey, did you see the latest about the SBC? Did you la- did, did you see the latest in the news? Hey, did you see the latest in what's popular in Christian music or in Christian literature so-called? Did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? Even actually this whole business with Jordan Hall, we're still collaborating and you know what? I know what's going on in his personal life. Because that is critically important to the work. He knows what's going on in my personal life because it's critically important to the work. That is part of the ministry. It's not a distraction from the ministry. You seem to be arguing that it's a distraction. It's unreasonable that we would pay attention to our lives and one another's lives, that we would know anything about what's going on. Hey, how are you doing? How is your relationship with your family? How's your family doing? How's work going. How's your health? You act like that's unreasonable. It is not. I guarantee that it is not. In my work for the Reformed Conservative, in my writing club work with ingladii Veritas, in my work at On the Rocks blog, in my work even with the Garrett Ashley Mullet show and it being an independent venture, I am interested in the lives of the people that I partner with and I want to know how they're doing. I need to know how they're doing. I want them to know how I'm doing. I need them to know how I'm doing. You act as though that's silly. And I'm telling you now, the fact that you think that's silly is a gross oversight. And it shows a lack of discernment, truth be told. You should have been interested in providing accountability of the kind you're saying was unreasonable. You should have been responsible. If you couldn't have put out as many articles, as many episodes, and still done that, wouldn't that have been actually more productive than this if it might have prevented a serious come apart? Unless Jordan was at the helm and he made sure that that didn't happen. And if he did make sure that that didn't happen, you ought to be asking yourself the question now, why? He was leading and setting the tone for the organization, for Protestia. He should have been insisting on it, not just allowing it, not just welcoming it when it was your idea. He should have been putting the idea in your head and saying, hey, I need this, and you need this, and we all need this if you're going to volunteer to be a part of this. You can't just have a good doctrinal statement. You also need to have character, and you need to be accountable to one another. You need to be invested in one another's lives because character matters biblically. And if you don't think so, well then, you're not reading the whole counsel of God. You're not reading all scripture being breathed out by God. You're cherry picking
1: the other thing that uh one of the other accusations that we've that we've faced and and i don't see this going away because opponents theological opponents of ours will try to say that um and this is what they this is what they'll get down to if they're honest but what they want to say is it's your reformed doctrine it's your um you know it's your calvinism it's it's you know guys like you hardline guys like you wind up doing these things that's really what they want to get down to i, I if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, it always boils down to the doctrine, always boils down to the doctrine. And it will this time as well. Um, um, opponents of ours, people that don't like us, people that think we're meanie pants or whatever. That's what they're going to get to is, you know, JD was this way because of his doctrine. You guys hold to the same doctrine. Therefore you're the same way.
0: Yeah. Well, there's some validity to what you're saying, David. Yes, you guys are meanie pants or as I might say, Alternatively, but this really isn't, (laughs) this really isn't about your doctrine first and foremost. Believe it or not, here's the proof. My cousin Micah was born and bred in Reformed theology. He went to Master's College, Master's University now, it used to be called Master's College. He was a member of John MacArthur's church. His theology is Reformed theology. A huge swath of our extended family, aunts, uncles, cousins, are not just reformed in their theology, they are ministers, they are pastors across the U.S. And I'm talking first cousins and the spouses, the husbands of first cousins, who are reformed ministers across the U.S. There's a significant portion of my church. And when I say significant portion, I mean the pastors, I mean my neighbor two houses down whom i love dearly a lot of our friends the gentlemen i met with for dinner on thursday night who are reformed in their theology and i love them dearly we may not always agree on the particulars but they don't always agree with one another on the particulars so what i'm not always sure what i think of reformed theology per se but i have no axe to grind with reformed theology per se if i did have an axe to grind with Reformed theology, it would be a wonder that I am on the board of directors for the Reformed Conservative. I just edited this summer. Was it spring still? I just edited the first translation into English from Dutch. Hermann Bavink's The Christian Philosophy of Science. It'll be available soon. I've got nine copies of Gron van Prinser's Liberty, Equality, Fraternity on my shelf right now. And once I come up with a finalized list of potential donors, people who would be willing to review the work of this Dutch reformed Calvinist statesman writing a refutation of liberalism a hundred years ago, I'm going to be passing these books out because we're looking for support for the reformed conservative, which I not only can stomach and tolerate, I endorse. So don't you go telling people, That the problem is your theology. No, the problem is your theology insofar as your treatment of people and your handling of the truth makes clear what your theology actually is. You say, Lord, Lord, but that's not enough. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Is it God's will that you guys treat people the way that you do? That you handle the truth the way that you do? Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. They don't come in wolf clothing, but you would have everybody believing that sheep come in wolf's clothing. You would have everyone believing that you are entirely innocent here and that people are just picking on you because you say, Lord, Lord, oh, we're being persecuted. No, you're getting accountability in keeping with the size audience and influence you're trying to wield. You want to have your cake and eat it too. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You can't have it both ways. Now, as for Joshua Chavez, you want to pin it all on him? That's between you and Joshua Chavez. I don't know what all of his theology is. I had a very nice, long conversation with him. He's a little weird. So am I. So are you, actually. Have you looked in the mirror recently? It's okay if some of the people who are weighing in on these things are a little odd. I'm not saying that that means that Joshua Chavez is correct in everything he says, but we couldn't get John Harris to cover this. We asked. We couldn't get A.D. Robles to cover this. We asked. and We were told, we're aware that there's a situation. Thanks for contacting us. Well, it's very convenient that the person who was willing to cover this, you're very happy to dismiss on the claim that it's all about doctrine it's all about theology. Tell me, how does your theology inform your attitude on allegations of embezzlement and spousal abuse or child abuse? I'm not saying they're proven, but there are police reports. So that doesn't prove that he's guilty, but by golly, it's a curious thing that if you were watching the five hour, seven minute video that Service Christy put out, you saw the transcript Not all of it. It was a long conversation, and I can provide the long form. I can send you the long form if you want the full transcript, David. Just ask. You have a deacon and an elder or whatever Kyle Small is at FBC Sydney agreeing with me that it is unconscionable that men and women and children live in fear and have lived in fear for a long time. He doesn't dispute it, he doesn't argue with me, he doesn't say, Oh no, that's absurd. In fact, if you were watching the long five-hour, seven-minute Service Christie video and you saw the transcript, which again, I'm happy to provide for you. If you want to put it up, you're welcome to. John Harris, AD Robles, if you guys want to put it up, maybe it'll have credibility if you're the ones displaying it. What is it that Kyle Small jokes about? He jokes that the guy can't hit the broadside of a barn. I'm not too worried. He doesn't tell me, no, that's totally out of his character he would never threaten to shoot you. What does he do instead? He makes a joke about how Jordan's not a very good shot. I wouldn't worry about it. As if to say it's reasonable for you to suppose he might take a shot at you. Seriously? How does your theology support that? Is that your theology? Actually, that a minister of God, yes, you can say he's been defrocked now. He's He's living a private life. Leave him alone. But he was that way before, he was that way for a long time before, as my articles from 2017 and 2020 at On The Rocks blog indicated, and I'll say it again and again and again, you didn't have to take my word for it, but by golly, if you had been the least bit curious, you could have followed up on the reports, you could have looked into it. What's the excuse about theology and doctrine when his own elders and his own deacons got church disciplined out every time they tried to hold him accountable? internally. Why were they elders and deacons there if they totally disagreed on doctrine and theology? Either A, he is a really bad chooser of elders and deacons and only realizes after the fact that their doctrine is all screwed up, or B, they had the same doctrine that he did. They had the same theology that he did. So that cancels out, David, but you don't want to touch that, do you? No, I didn't think so.
1: And, and his, his, his methodology is basically not only the six degrees of Kevin Bacon version of discernment, which is, is illogical and ridiculous, um, but he also, he does, he does these massive videos, hours and hours and hours, and he, he does long videos. He does long videos for the same reason that that bad theology praise courses repeat the chorus 18 times. It lulls you into checking your brain at the door. You stop thinking. So he'll go on for hours and hours and hours about the same topic, interspersed with ad hominem attacks. This is terrible. This is insane. This is corrupt, blah, blah, blah. He'll, he'll th- throws that in there while repeating himself over and over and over to lull his, his watches. Well, I, I guess there's nobody's no way somebody would do a five-hour video unless there was some truth to it.
0: All right. I got a book to recommend to you. <laughs> David, check out Neil Postman's amusing ourselves to death. Do yourself a favor, give it a read. Especially pay attention to the part where he's talking about the Lincoln-Douglas debates and how long they went, and the effect that the invention of the radio and television, and now even more so with TikTok and YouTube and all this, the effect that modern media in the past century has had on our attention spans to shorten them, to dumb us down, to make us less literate. An argument could be made, and I'm not necessarily making it, I'm just saying... This could be seen a different way: that Joshua Chavez making long, long videos the way that he is is actually the opposite of the. Rep- <laughs> it's the opposite of the repeating, the repetition, repetitiveness of a lot of modern, contemporary praise and worship music. An argument could be made there that it's actually more in keeping with an old style of debate, which actually stretched our attention spans and increased our comprehension. That was enough in-depth to where you really had to figure out what to make of the claims being made. Whether you agreed with them or you didn't, you couldn't say that the person advocating their position had left a whole lot out. It was five hours, seven minutes too long? Maybe. Possibly. I saw the timestamp when I clicked into the link and I said, What? What? But it, that's a silly reason to tell people to dismiss everything that's in the video. It's a very silly reason. It's very convenient, I guess, when you're banking on people having short attention spans and not watching it for themselves. Oh, no, 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 you guys, you don't need to watch it. I watched it. I'll tell you what's in it. We've got to pass the legislation to find out what's in it. And by that, I mean, ignore this video and just listen to me and I'll give you the clips notes. How's that sound? Here again, too. You're going after the guy. You're mocking him. Not a lot of substance there. I don't find that very persuasive. And it really doesn't do anything against the testimony of the former church member. It doesn't do anything against the testimony of Micah Hirschberger, my cousin, who reached out to people and talked with them, who had firsthand knowledge of the situation. And it certainly doesn't discredit the transcript of me chatting with a member of the leadership. I think I did more research on this than you did, having the two-hour back and forth with Kyle Small. You don't mention that at all, and for reasons which I can imagine. But tell us again how absurd Joshua Chavez is, and then also how we shouldn't engage in ad hominem. Argumentum ad hominem. Indeed. Hypocrisy. Again. Indeed.
1: Even some of the stuff that was attributed to JD uh, was, was a cooperative kind of a right, you know, certainly some of the later stuff for sure, just, you know, he really, he didn't have the time. And I think he was losing the heart for it a little bit. That's okay. You know, he was, he's, pastors need a pastor first and foremost we will do exactly what we were doing before this and wait and see again, because there is no way for us to adjudicate this from afar. It doesn't matter if it's somebody who's our friend that we've worked with, um, that we care about, that we pray for, we still don't have the ability to read minds or place ourselves in the position of knowing what happened or didn't happen. So our, our, our first statement still holds, that um, because we don't have that ability, we're not going to be talking about the, the particulars of something. If there are facts that change, like right now, the fact that changed was, okay, the police are investigating things. The police are investigating potential domestic violence. They're, they're investigating potential um, financial impropriety. Embezzlement, I think, was what I saw. and you know, That's being investigated. As far as I know, there's been no charges of anything. And, and I mean, I can tell you, as someone, I've been investigated – before by the police, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't charged with anything. I wasn't guilty of anything, but that's part of the investigative process. And that doesn't mean I'm saying that nothing happened. It means I'm saying, I don't know. And it's okay. Not to know. It's okay to be patient. It's okay to say, you know, to pray and say, God will handle this in the appropriate way, in the appropriate sphere of authority. And it's not a bunch of us on the internet. Even those of us that have worked with, um, worked with JD, um and care about him and 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 really want uh the best for this process we still don't have to know we if we can't know the better answer is to let that let his church and those who are responsible for this for for figuring all this out handle it while we do our work
0: yeah but but again, David, you said that your work as a parachurch organization was to support the local church, didn't you? Also, you said that Protestia was unofficially, although I do believe we can use the wayback machine to go and see whether Protestia, pulpit and pen were listed as ministries of FBC Sydney. I'll bet you the 21st or the 22nd when they called you is when that changed, that ceased to be the case. But, you know, you said your role was to serve the local church and that you were an unofficial ministry of FBC Sydney. So it's a very curious thing that you tout your legitimacy, the need for what you're doing, and yet the church you were associated with did not bring these matters to you first and foremost, and yet you want to be a kind of gatekeeper telling everybody else to just butt out and let the local church handle it, let the civil authorities handle it. You didn't even know the civil authorities were involved until Joshua Chavez reported on it. He was how you found out. You didn't find that out from FBC Sydney. It's a curious thing that they didn't tell you. They didn't share that detail with you. So much for all this discernment. And again, I said I would refer back to it, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 8. Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? But brother goes to law against brother. And that before unbelievers shame on you sir shame on you
1: yeah i I think that this process needs to again this process needs to carry out i mean if we find that that there's validity to to some of these um these potential charges you know this investigation i think that changes the conversation for sure but again it's not you know he's not doing work at Protestia. he has resigned from the pastorate he's supposedly as far as i understand submitting to a process of church discipline what else do we want
0: So, David, I was sent this screenshot of a private message you sent in which you said, hey, I noticed that you claimed J.D. Hall was charged and shared images of Sydney PD confidential investigation documents. Wanted to let you know that he has not been charged. And based on insider info, I believe it is unlikely he will be beyond that dissemination of the documents you shared is actually a crime in the state of Montana. Hmm. Hmm. Well then, it's a very, very curious thing that the police reports were supplied by the police department, isn't it? One would imagine that the Sydney police department would know what is a crime and what is not in the state of Montana, David Morrell. Oh, also, by the way, how do you know? You live in Colorado. How do you, (laughs) <laughs> He's not been charged. How do you know that? He's not been charged. I thought you said you lived in Colorado. You can't possibly know these things. You're busy. A certain Amy Smith tweeted this, actually. She's the one that tweeted it. I can't get into Twitter, but I was sent the tweet. Her write-up on it was David Morrill at Cocoa Conservative 7 at Protestia sent me a DM last night trying to intimidate me about J.D. Hall and his recent police reports in Montana. Initial police reports are public record. So there you go. So there you go. So much for that. Also too, you say if it turns out that these allegations are true, well then that changes things. You didn't even know that there were police reports. You didn't even know that civil authorities were involved. Who are you to be telling guys like me and my cousin Micah natives of eastern Montana to butt out and leave it to the local church. Who are you? I mean you're really, really close. You're dangerously close to trying to tell everyone to not even talk with the police. You're dangerously close. Like you're just walking that line. You're saying, oh, just leave it to the civil authorities, let due process have its course. Yes, that's that's fine. Insofar as there are criminal proceedings, but Insofar as the criminal proceedings are downstream of a failure at the ecclesiastic level, there is some explaining to do. Lucy?
1: You know, is, is not an active ministry. They can't tell the difference between that and some false teacher who's still behind the pulpit every Sunday preaching falsehoods. They think those are the same thing. They think that, that our treatment of, of one of these situations should be the same as the treatment of the other one. That just isn't true. That's not what the Bible prescribes. Read Galatians 6. Read Galatians 6, 1 and 2, I think. Read those verses and then tell me that the Bible prescribes the same treatment for the humble, submissive, submitting to church discipline brother as it does for the false teacher. It doesn't.
0: Galatians 6, 1 to 2. I'm glad you brought that up, David. Brothers, and I quote, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Yes, that is scriptural. That is all scripture, being breathed out by God and profitable. The context is critically important as well. And again, I would refer you back to Matthew 7. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. For you to say flat out that... You should give a stricter, harsher treatment towards false teachers whose doctrine is unsound than you would to someone who professes, claims to profess sound doctrine, and yet denies it by their treatment of people. Their fruit proves them to be a bad tree, an unhealthy tree, a diseased tree, cut down and thrown into the fire if it does not bear good fruit. You act as though Christians who would say, we need to take just as seriously, grave sin, longstanding, years on end, bullying and intimidation of church members and church leaders, deacons and elders alike, running them off, quote unquote, church disciplining them when they try to correct, admonish, hold him accountable locally. They're the ones going on nothing here. They're the ones just making it up, I guess. But by all means, let's talk about the local church again. Also, let's talk about 1 Timothy 5. Those, according to James, those who teach will be held to a higher standard, a stricter standard. Not many of you should be teachers, brothers. And 1 Timothy 5 says that if two or three witnesses bring a charge against an elder, or read here, overseer, pastor, discernment ministry, blogger, extraordinaire, hope of polemics, what have you. They are supposed to be rebuked in the sight of all. You don't get to say all really means just the people at FBC Sydney. You don't get to say that. That's not for you to say when this guy was influential at a national level, trying trying to call balls and strikes on people and by the testimony of his own friends, his own associates, Chris Rosenbrew, Justin Peters, Phil Johnson, he was content to fabricate things, whole cloth. John Harris says he was concerned for a long time about Jordan's handling of people that he disagreed with and corrected him privately about it. So for you to say, we've got nothing to go on, it's just frankly incredible. And by that, I mean, it lacks credibility.
1: <clears throat> yeah, you got um, pulp uh, and pen protests. He is forever connected to JD. Justin Peters is right. Perhaps, I think we'll see and and the thing is i mean I, again i'm not i'm not particularly concerned about it being connected to the to the the gentleman that founded it um but our our faithfulness is not to this person or that person whatever it's to the scripture it always has been and to the extent that any of us stop doing that or you know fall into sin or start doing something for our own gain um i hope that god rebukes us i, I hope that he puts us in our place you know um Again, are you going to address the police report JD assaulting his wife and daughter? Yeah, it, well, so, something that I, I, we want to be clear about this. The, the report that's been out there is an investigation report. There aren't charges being made yet. This is something that somebody has gone and alleged. They've said, they've, they've gone to the police and said, I think this happened. And the police um, at least found it credible enough to initiate an investigation. That's all we really know. And I heard, you know, like I kind of said earlier in the video, I heard accusations go back and forth and, well, we think this happened or that happened or or whatever. I, I had about eight different versions of what happened with no ability to figure out if any of it was true. That's what this process is for, right? So the process of um, the civil magistrate being involved in conducting an investigation and doing these things, that's what that process is for. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get it right, but that's the the, the best process that we have. In a fallen world, I don't have the ability to do that from Colorado.
0: Once again, with the excuse of living in Colorado, an hour from where I live. Yes, an hour south, but still. Greeley is next door to the north from Denver. Arvada is not far. I've been there many times for work, taking the family out on outings. It's not far. So... With respect, again, the question is, how is it possible that you couldn't figure some of these things out from Colorado, and yet I have, (laughs) I have, (laughs) how is it possible that you can't figure these out from Colorado, but Joshua Chavez somehow got a hold of the police reports from New Mexico, which is even further, that doesn't hold water. Also, too, to your point about the civil authorities, I want to return to this again, because it is important that the civil authorities are involved. I don't know exactly what happened. Only the good Lord really knows all of what's happening in this situation, what has happened, what is yet to happen. We trust the good Lord's judgment indeed. But where the civil authorities have gotten involved and they're investigating at the level that they are, potential embezzlement, also, A potential very very extreme domestic violence situation, also a Xanax addiction. At least we've established that there's a Xanax addiction problem. And also you've admitted that FBC leadership told you that they couldn't give you all the details and they wouldn't give you all the details yet. So we know that there are more details. We know that there's more than just the Xanax addiction. Something brought the Xanax addiction to their attention. And it obviously wasn't the slurring because that was going on for some time as the videos make clear, as testimony in Joshua Chavez's video makes clear. Frankly, going to Joshua Chavez, I think, was worth it. God will be my judge, but going to him was worth it, if only for the fact that you can't ignore his having put that out the way that y'all have ignored the things that I wrote back in 2017 and 2020, as an Eastern Montanan. We lived a couple of blocks from Jordan. We lived a couple of blocks. We lived across town from FBC Sydney in 2017 when I wrote the first piece. We had moved not long before to Greeley, Colorado when I wrote the second piece. But still, I'm able to figure these things out. Why can't you? And again, so much for discernment. How much discernment must you lack if... You couldn't anticipate that these would be disqualifying things going on in JD's life until the civil authorities are involved. How is it that the civil authorities are involved before you? Why are you not the first call when there are warning signs well before? Answer that.
1: But at the same time, you know, there's there in no sense do we want to, to say, hey, you know, if something bad happened, we just want to go away and cover it up. No, that's, that's certainly not the case. And yet we got to be patient and understand things in context. I'm not going to be like Josh Chavez and say, Hey, because there's an investigation, he definitely did all this stuff. Just the way that they said it and all that, that's, that's, that's answering a, answering a charge before you have the information. You know, the, the Bible teaches specifically against that.
0: And that's the last clip I'm going to play just for the record. But you could have David, A lot more information than you do if you were looking into it. The astounding lack of curiosity to have not researched this further when so much, as you say, is at stake with Protestia's reputation, with your reputation, with the reputation of these other ministers. When Phil Johnson says that he privately warned Jordan about a Baptist minister from the early 20th century who shot a man dead in his office and was tried for murder, acquitted, but a lot of people who knew him best were suspicious that he actually had murdered the man because they knew him. Will you write Phil Johnson off for doctrinal differences? John Harris says he talked with him privately, called him up. Hey, listen, I'm concerned about your way of relating. Long ago, you're going to write off John Harris's doctrinal differences? Now, to be clear, I don't, agree with the sentiment that an allegation proves guilt. Yes, due process is important. The problem is, locally, as you will see in the five-hour, seven-minute video from Service Christy, Kyle Small comes out right out the gate, as I'm just trying to get information. I was trying to find out what had happened. He comes out right out the gate, accusing me of gossip, voyeurism, tells me that I'm in sin, for trying to get information, to trying to get, for for trying to get the actual story of what's going on here, riddle me this: Why don't we know the rest of the details? Isn't that important? If the Xanax addiction was the thing to lead with in the public statements, why not the rest? And what is the rest of the story? Let's say we let's say we agree. Let's say you're right. We don't know. Your lack of curiosity the apparent lack of trust and confidence that FBC Sydney leadership had in you, that they didn't come to these conclusions with your help. They didn't loop you in. They didn't ask you to help weigh and judge these matters because you are a discernment ministry. After all, you are here to serve the church. After all, it says a lot. And yes, yes. As a matter of fact, you should close down shop. You should call it. Read Thessalonians again, aspire to live quiet lives, working with your hands, minding your own business so that you're dependent on no one and you can maintain a good reputation with outsiders. Aspire to that, fear God, man. That's all the time I've got though, I gotta run. Dear Lord, have mercy on us, give us wisdom, we pray that you would give grace to those who need it, help us to be humble and to be bold, not fearful, not to fear man, but to trust in you and to acknowledge you in all our ways. Amen. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless.